Once Upon a Time is right now, here on Fable City Radio, with your host, Martha Whitehouse. Tonight's story is The Frog King, with the subtitle of Or Iron Henry. This is a Grimm Brothers story, and it is one of two versions they recorded. The other story is called The Frog Prince. That title makes more sense to me, but the mechanics of turning a cursed frog back into a prince are more interesting in the first version, so that's the example I followed for mine. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy The Frog King, or Iron Henry. Once upon a time, there was a beautiful and very spoiled princess. She was so beautiful that even clouds moving across the sky would sometimes pause just to look down on her with admiration. Although her beauty was a growing legend in her kingdom, the princess was also horribly spoiled and used to getting her own way in all things. One day, the princess was playing in the palace gardens when her favorite toy, a golden ball made for her by a clever royal craftsman, fell out of her hands and rolled into a deep well. The princess was very upset, and fearing she might never get her ball back, she sat on the edge of the well crying bitter tears. A frog who lived near the well heard the princess's cries of distress, hopped up to her, and said, Don't cry, princess. I can jump in the well and return your golden plaything to you. I only ask a favor in return from you. Oh, yes, cried the princess. Anything. I'll do anything to get my favorite ball back. I can give you jewels and gold. Just name your price. Jewels and gold don't really interest me, said the frog. What good would they do me? I am, after all, just a frog. No, what I'd like as a reward is that you would bring me into the palace and let me be your steadfast companion and let me sit beside you when you dine and drink from your cup and eat from your plate. I want you to play with me. And when it's time for sleep, I want you to let me sleep with you in your comfortable little bed. Oh, I can do all of those things if you will return my ball to me, said the spoiled girl, even though she had no intention of following through with the bargain. Without another word, the frog turned and jumped into the well. And after a few moments, he rose to the surface of the water with the golden ball in his mouth. The excited princess snatched the ball away from the frog and jumped down from the edge of the well, running back toward the palace. The frog pulled himself out of the well and called after her. Stop! Wait! I can't run as fast as you! Come back and pick me up and take me with you! But the heedless girl ignored his calls, and as two footmen shut the castle door behind her, she hardly spared a thought to the frog who had helped her. That evening, the royal family sat down to their supper, and talk raced around the king's table on all manner of things. The king asked his daughter what she had been up to all day, and the princess quickly answered that she had been playing in the garden. All at once there was a loud banging on the door. The king told the princess to run and see who was so eager to disturb their meal. When the princess threw open the door, the little frog was sitting in the entryway. You left me behind after you promised to take me with you, he said. The princess, shocked that such a little frog could make such a commotion, slammed the door in the frog's face and returned to her father's table. Who was that at the door? The king demanded to know. Oh, it was nothing really, said the princess. Then the knocking commenced once again. Child, said the king, tell me who it is that is knocking on our door. The princess sighed. Oh, it is only a tiresome frog, father. My ball rolled into the well, and I was upset, and the frog offered to fetch the ball if I would let him come and be my companion. Did you promise this? 
asked the king as the noise at the door continued unabated. Well, yes, said the princess reluctantly. I did promise, but it was just to get my ball back. The king grew angry and said, that which you have promised, you must now do. The promise of a noble is always kept. Now go and open the door and bring your guests to our table. The princess started to argue, but seeing the stern look on her father's face, she once again stood and went to open the door. Then she picked up the frog and carried him back to the king's table. Thank you for inviting me to dinner, said the frog. Please push your plate a little closer so that I may eat freely. And he proceeded to eat from the princess's plate and drink noisily from her cup. The princess wrinkled her nose in disgust, losing her appetite, as she watched the damp frog help himself lustily to her meal. Yet she said nothing because the king was watching her intently. Finally, the princess said, I am tired, so I'm going to bed now. She started to leave without the frog, but he called out, Don't forget me. I'm tired too, and I want to sleep on your white pillow right next to you in your little white bed. The princess started shaking her head and opened her mouth to say no, but the king interrupted and said, That which you promised, you must now do. So the princess picked up the clammy frog and took him with her to her room. When she got there, she put him down in the corner of the room and the frog raised another protest. No, no, he cried. Pick me up at once. I have more to say. The princess reluctantly agreed and held the frog up to her ear to listen. The frog croaked as loudly as he could. I want to sleep on your own pillow right next to your head, princess. This is the promise you made me and now you must keep it. If you do not, I will tell your father. We will be playmates forever. The princess was beside herself with rage. She pulled the frog away from her ear saying, you'll be quiet now, you horrid thing. And she threw him as hard as she could against the wall. She expected to see the frog lying senseless on her bedroom floor, but instead she found a handsome prince with beautiful kind eyes who righted himself quickly and said, thank you, dear princess. I've been under the enchantment of a witch and only you could have broken the spell. The princess was charmed by the prince and the two fell in love and asked for permission to marry. The king eagerly gave his approval after he heard the story of the witch's curse, and a wedding was quickly arranged. After the wedding, the prince's faithful servant Henry, who when he found out that the prince had returned to his true form, rushed to be by his side, helped the prince and princess into their coach as they left the wedding ceremony, and he climbed onto the back of the carriage. The carriage had only just begun its journey when the prince and his new bride were startled by the loud sound of metal ripping. The prince thought something had gone wrong with the carriage, so he called back anxiously to his servant. Do you see anything wrong back there, Henry? No, your highness, the carriage is fine. We drive on. The carriage continued, but soon the sound of tearing metal rang out two more times and the prince told the driver to stop. He got out of the carriage and went back to check on his old faithful retainer who bowed at his approach and said, your highness, I must apologize for causing your journey to stop. The sound you hear is coming from me. When the witch cursed you and you were left to your solitary life, my heart was so broken that I feared it might fly apart. So I asked the barrel maker to put three iron bands around my heart to hold it together. Now that I see you whole and happy once again, my joy has caused my heart to heal. And what you heard was the breaking of the three bands because I don't need them anymore. The prince embraced Henry warmly and the journey continued to the prince's kingdom where the prince, the princess, and Iron Henry, as he came to be known, lived happily ever after. The End
I hope you enjoyed my version of The Frog King or Iron Henry. The first question I had when I read this fairy tale was, why is this story even called The Frog King? The frog in the story is a prince and not a king at all. We can assume that someday he will become king, but during the story he is only a cursed prince. So perhaps the title is referring to the frog as the king of the frogs. That seems to be the only way the title makes sense. It's a bit of a mystery, I guess. I chose this story, this version of the story, because as I mentioned in the intro, I thought that the resolution to the prince's curse was more interesting in the king version of the story than in the prince version. The princess in the Frog King has to get really annoyed and even infuriated at the frog to break the curse and restore the prince, even if she risks smashing the frog in the process. Fairy tales can be really hard on selfish, spoiled characters, and the frog's insistence on being best pals with the princess, eating from her plate, drinking from her cup, and sleeping in her bed seem pretty torturous to her. The princess's father, the king, is also not letting her forget her promise to the frog, which is a sure guarantee that the princess will only become even angrier. One concept I take from the Frog King is that anger can be just as transformative as love. We see anger as a negative emotion most of the time, but sometimes anger is an excellent catalyst to affect change, and while extreme out-of-control anger can be destructive, getting angry at life situations can sometimes give us the courage we need to change our circumstances. In the other Grimm Brothers version of this story, titled The Frog Prince, the frog sleeps with the princess for a few nights and her kiss is what breaks the witch's curse and frees the prince. I thought it was more interesting and a lot funnier to have the princess throw the frog against a wall to break the curse. Like other fairy tales, there are numerous versions of the Frog King or the Frog Prince, including versions from Tibet, India, Spain, and England, and I find it interesting that the Grimm brothers felt the need to produce two of them. The weirdest thing about the Frog King is the second part of the story, where the prince's faithful servant Henry shows up. At first glance, it seems like an extraneous, tacked-on ending. The servant so obsessed with the well-being of his master that he had to have iron bands fastened around his heart to keep it from breaking when the prince turned into a frog, then having the bands burst from happiness at seeing the prince happy feels like a bit too much. But I've been rereading Myth and Meaning by the world-renowned French anthropologist and ethnologist Claude Levi Strauss. In the book, the author observes that fairy tales shouldn't necessarily be read in the linear way we read novels and other narrative tales. Levi Strauss analogizes reading mythology and folklore to reading a classical music score with multiple lines for the different instruments playing their parts. Reading straight across a single line of the score would not produce a clear picture of the totality of the musical composition. Fairy tales need to be seen as a collection of elements that only make sense when you look at the whole story and the folk tradition they came from. I'm still a bit puzzled by the over-the-top love of Iron Henry for his master, but the prince is a character with not much of a backstory without his faithful servant. What the Henry character gives us is proof that the prince is so worthy of love that he inspires deep devotion in his subjects. And so that last scene cements our opinion of him as a good guy and not just an annoying reptile. Until next time, make sure you don't throw any poor frogs against walls to test out this theory because you'll only end up with a gooey mess. And meet me again soon for another story in Fable City Radio.